One of the things that impresses me most about Damon is his ability to adapt to change and implement new marketing and selling strategies successfully. SEO, marketing, and now AI are dramatically changing the way that we market and sell online. That's why we're hosting our listing strategy workshop to teach you everything you need to know about selling on Etsy from a seller with over 25,000 Etsy orders. Visit thelistingstrategy.com and sign up today and get immediate access to our pre-work that will get you up to speed before class starts on May 23rd. See you in the workshop. Hey y'all, I'm Damon Oates, founder of Deco Exchange. Who else has heard that crafting is just a hobby? I turned my love of crafting into a thriving multi seven-figure company, surrounded myself in an amazing community, and met some amazing business owners along the way. I'm here to show everyone that makers mean business. Y'all, today we're here with uh, Miss Jillian, and I'm going to ask her to introduce herself and tell us what she does and how she got started. Hi, everyone. Damon, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, My name is Jillian Leslie, uh, and in 2009, I started a website with my husband called Catch My Party. And since then, we have grown it into the largest party idea site on the web with user-generated content. So if you have, let's say, been on Pinterest looking for baby shower ideas or like a Minnie Mouse party and, you, and you've clicked over to something, you've probably clicked onto my site. And then um, what happened was we needed to grow our Pinterest followers. So our, our Facebook, you know, we were watching Facebook kind of turn the crank in terms of like, clo- like uh, uh, our traffic was just kind of getting squeezed. And we realized Pinterest was really important for our traffic. So my husband built a pop-up app, and if you go to Catch My Party right now, you can see it. And what it does is it pops up and asks people to follow us on Pinterest. And it really worked, and it helped grow our Pinterest followers. Um, And so now we have something like 1.4 million Pinterest followers. And while people say Pinterest followers don't matter, they actually do matter in terms of the algorithm. So Pinterest knows that we are a really solid site and that it's good to send people to our site and show our pins. So we get millions of page views a month from Pinterest all because, I mean, one, we have high quality content. So, you know, we are the real deal, but really we've been able to just continually grow our followers with our pop-up. And, and then we said to ourselves, hey, wait a second, um, maybe other bloggers would want to use this. And with it, it's called Milo Tree, and we named it after our favorite tree in Hawaii. Um, we were sitting under the Milo Tree going, what should we name our, our new app? <laughs> and my daughter at the time goes, how about Milo Tree? Um, anyway, what we did, though, listening to our audience, so we, we rolled it out. We said to other bloggers, hey, would you want to use this? Because it's been really successful for us. And they said yes. But then they said to us, what about Instagram? We want to grow Instagram. So David, my husband, who's a technologist, built it so that you could grow Instagram, your Instagram followers with it. So what it does is it pops up on your site. So you have to have a blog or a Shopify store, something you own, and it pops up and it says, follow me on Instagram or follow me on Pinterest. And then we built out, follow me on Facebook or subscribe to my YouTube channel or join my email list. And really, this has just come from listening to our customers and our users who were requesting different things. And what's cool about it 
is you can set it to grow multiple platforms. So like the first time somebody, you could set it, like Pinterest is most important to you. So everybody who comes to your site the first time will see your Pinterest pop up. And then when that person comes back to your site, they could see like your Instagram pop up or something like that. So we've kind of created it so that you can grow multiple platforms, but it's really only, we're big believers in this, it's one ask per visit because we don't want to inundate your visitors. Um, and so so from that, we've also created other things where we will set up. So it's so then I, okay, so I launched a podcast because I kept getting feedback from my audience going, wow, it's really weird that you have this like little piece of technology that you're selling. It seems really cold, like you're this corporate kind of technology company. And I'm like, no, 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 it's just David and me. Like we're just the two of us. So I thought to myself to humanize it, I would start a podcast. And I started, which by the way, Damien, you'll be on, I think next week, the podcast. So I started a podcast called the Blogger Genius Podcast. And I started it because I listened to podcasts. So I felt like it was a medium that I understood. And, um, and I've been doing it for, gosh, like two and a half years. But then what was weird about it was I'm doing Milo, the podcast, because I want people who are bloggers to sign up for Milo Tree ultimately. And then I discovered that people who were listening to the podcast had not started blogs yet. And I had this crisis, this moment where I thought, I'm attracting the wrong audience. Oh no, I need you to have a blog in order to put Milo Tree on your blog. And then we stepped back, David and I, and thought, wait a second, maybe I'm not attracting the wrong audience. Maybe there are people out there who do need WordPress blogs. But setting up a WordPress blog, just as before we pressed record, technology's difficult. So we thought, well, what if we came out with a service where we could help people set up WordPress blogs and optimize it? And so it's just interesting. I think the lesson for us is always, like what does our audience want and how can we see it as an opportunity rather than a problem? Like I was sitting here going, oh no, like I'm gonna have to restart this podcast. Like this is not working only to discover, oh, there's a whole other group of people that I never would have thought would be listening to the blogger genius, people without blogs. So I just think that that's always such an important lesson. Yeah, you have to be willing to shift and listen and like see things in new ways instead of looking at it as like a problem how can it be an opportunity yeah. and so you know, and again speaking to this so we have these people and we set up their wordpress blogs and we're like okay go and then they look at us and they go what do i do now so then we're like oh no <laughs> we have another problem so we said why don't we do coaching and so we do six week coaching groups where we walk people through what to do then to grow your business. And I think that I'm a big believer in a concept called emergent business building, which I would say is the opposite of top-down business building. You know, top-down business might be something like a planned community where you go, okay, here's where the houses are gonna be and here's where the clubhouse and the tennis courts and all of that. And I'm a believer in just kind of allowing stuff to emerge and to see where things take you by listening and being open to solving people's problems. Absolutely. So have you, how long have you been doing um, the online business? From Catch My Party or from Milo Tree? Just, from just in general. 
Okay, so we started my, uh, Catch My Party in 2009. And so before that, I was a writer in Hollywood and I was writing movies, teen comedies. Um, like I worked on the movie Freaky Friday, if you saw that with Lindsay Lohan, um, yeah. back when she was like young and stuff. And my husband was working back in the day at MySpace. So I'm working on teen comedies. My husband is working at MySpace. I remember Tom, I don't know if you remember Tom, your first friend, yeah. like David worked directly with Tom. And so we thought to ourselves, like, why don't we take our fate in our own hands? And why don't we create something, just the two of us? We came up with this idea of creating a social photo sharing site for teen girls. I write for teen girls. All David does all day at MySpace is see, you know, pages and pages of teen girl stuff. And then it was, again, kind of fascinating because we hired, like, this was just a side hustle. I'm writing movies. He's working crazy hours. But on the weekends, we'd, like, be drawing, you know, diagrams and things like that. And we hired some developers in Indonesia to build us a site. And we didn't really know what we were doing. And it was, like, super crazy pink and purple because we want to attract teen girls. And then what we discovered was, well, the problem we faced was teen nobody were, was putting parties up on our site right so you had to upload your you still you upload your party photos and we show them off and do all this stuff and we're a community um and then it was kind of weird because i'm like this 30 something year old woman stalking teen girls on the internet going hey guys like hey i'm jillian like i see that you've got some photo like i find photos on the internet and i'd be like hey will you put your party up like sweet 16s or quinceañeras or graduation parties bar and bat mitzvahs those kinds of things and i think people were like this woman is like a stalker this is crazy and I, it was like this chicken and egg problem because we needed con we need people to upload photos so people would then want to come and see those photos, and so we're like, how do we do this? And then one day, a woman who was like a mom with an Etsy shop selling beautiful party goods put pictures of a, put her photos of a party up on our site. And then another mom with an Etsy shop, and, and by the way, we were, were we were like, yes, like you can put links to your Etsy shop on our site so that people can find you and find what you're selling. And so then all of a sudden, all these moms with Etsy shops and little kids, you know, would put up like a ladybug party or um, like a Toy Story party. And again, I had that crisis where I thought to myself, oh no, this isn't our target audience. What are we thinking? Like, we're thinking like, should we delete these parties? Like, oh, like how, like no teen girl is gonna think it's cool to like have your party up on like a my, like a site with My Little Pony parties. And then we, we stepped back and we said, oh, wait a second. Maybe this is our site. Maybe this is our audience. And again, it's like you co, one thing that I think is so great about the internet is that you co-create with your visitors. And so we had never thought, oh, well, we're going to be a site for moms and baby showers. We were like, we're going to be that cool site with those cool teenagers. Um, and that never materialized, but we found our audience. So it sounds like you're, business has kind of morphed quite a few times as you keep listening to your audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that over time, I've come up with this theory, which is 
you have a hypothesis. So our hypothesis was teen, where we work in the market of teen girls. Like if anybody understood them, it was David and me. Our hypothesis is what a cool idea. We're going to create a site for teen girls for their parties. And, but you have to, and so that's how we went, we built it. And it was pink and purple crazy. And that, but you have to hold it lightly. And in the beginning, I was holding on to it really tightly, going like, damn it, I'm going to get those teen girls on my site. Um, but now I've learned that you're kind of testing all the time. And so you hold it lightly because ultimately teen girls might not show up. Kind of like bloggers were not, I mean, there were, of course, bloggers showing up on the Blogger Genius, but there was this whole group of people who weren't who hadn't started blogs you know and so again you look for that opportunity where you never i never would have thought it was going to be moms on catch my party and i never would have thought non people wanting to start blogs would be listening to my podcast but you have to be open to saying okay this is who i think it's going to be but the truth is there's this whole other market that i did not anticipate that has shown up for me and how do I then morph that into something and solve that person's problem? Do you try to solve more than one person's problem or do you try to focus on one problem at a time? Well, um, like if, in terms of Milo Tree, for example, as I said, um, we really, what we've realized is, so we can kind of see this customer journey in a way also on Catch My Party, which I'll explain in a sec. But for Milo Tree, for example, we built an app and the app is for a very specific purpose. It is to grow your social media followers and your email list. So we're like, okay, we're going to take a stab at like this middle problem that people have. And then we, then I'm like, okay, I don't want to seem like this cold corporate co company when we're not. I want to, I want people to trust me and recognize like, oh, I have some business experience. I have an MBA, like we're the real deal. So I start the podcast and then I realize, wait a second. Okay, so now I think I'm funneling people into signing up for Milo Tree, trying it out. Like we offer 30 days to try it out for free. And then I realize, okay, I've got this problem, which is people don't have blogs. Okay, we're going to start that. And then I realize the next problem exists, which is we hand over like the keys to the car, into the Mercedes, as I told you, because we've like highly, you've a highly optimized blog now, right? Go. And then people look at us and go, well, what do I do? And we're like, oh, okay. So that's how we said, let's start our six-week coaching group. And then at the end of the six weeks, some people said, wait, I don't want to say goodbye. And we're like, what do you mean? You know, we did it. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, what else can we do? And we're like, well, maybe we'll turn it into a monthly membership. So the people who graduate from that, you know, a bunch of them go on with us. But like, we didn't anticipate that. Or we say, hey, go create content on your blog now. We'll show you how. But then people go, I literally do not know how to use the blog. So we're like, we're gonna do a session where we walk you through WordPress. Like, let's start at the way beginning. So I think that by following our audience, we continue to move with them on their journey. And so it is linear in a way. It's not like we're kind of trying a bunch of different things. We're saying like, where's the problem? And how can we fill that gap for them so that they're successful? The goal is, I want you to be super successful because then you trust me and then you know that I'm providing you value. And if you've got a hole where you're falling down, I want to help support you during that. And for like the, the thing I would say about Catch My Party, which is really cool, is we, for certain people, they'll upload like the baby shower 
and then they'll upload the first birthday and then the second and we can watch people growing because they use catch my party as a place to store their party photos so that they have them in a specific place and to me there's nothing better and then also we can go okay like what you know if in fact you've got this you know baby shower we know that we or if, if all of a sudden we're seeing a lot of baby showers we know that like first birthday content should be coming up as well and so that's kind of the the way that we follow people or people kind of use our site over time and so that's really neat too to have those long-term relationships with people yeah so you basically kind of build the customer that you want you know you start out with they don't have a blog and you get them their blog you teach them how to use their blog so they want your milo tray Right. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. Ultimately, if ultimately we can set up their blog and we can teach them how to get traffic, uh, then they have a need for Milo Tree. So in a weird way, we're backing into our initial problem, which is how do we get people to learn about Milo Tree, know about it, trust us, buy it, uh, you know, subscribe. And so you're right. It's like we, we have this problem here and then we kind of built this long solution to get people to do that. Do you know if there's any plans for Milo Tree to integrate with SMS marketing in the future? Ooh, you know, we've talked about it, but we have not yet figured out our solution for that. But okay. that's always an interesting idea because I know you use SMS a lot. We do. And we've actually just switched to a new program called Community where it's... Ah, I just got an account with Community. Okay, so it's mass texting and two-way. Yes. Yes. So it would be interesting, like if there was a pop up that came up with our little phone number that said, Did you enjoy my blog? Please let me know. Text me. Well, here. actually, what we have is a pop up that you can link anywhere. Okay. So if you, for example, had a landing page, you could, you could personalize it with, uh, actually, you could just personalize it on the pop up and say, Hey, you know, here's my phone number. Right. Uh, you know, like text, I can send you texts, so you can, so we can automatically do it. And I don't know if community has a page you can go to uh, to do it, but you could do it right there. So no, we did that because people kept saying to us, "Hey, what if I have a sales page, or I have, or I want to send you to my affiliate link, you know, to some affiliate landing page? Can we do that?" And we said we could do that. So you can put in text, a photo. Um, you know, custom. And if you want it to go to a link, it will link to wherever you want to send it. So it doesn't have to go directly to like Pinterest or Instagram or your newsletter. So you could do it. Yes. See, there's like a hack yeah. for it. You can't integrate. Awesome. Because we have Milo Tree on our website. Oh, you do? Okay. So then, um, so then go to custom and you can create it. Okay. We'll test and Get it. people to do that. So question for you, was it always this easy for you to navigate the online space? No, <laughs> I think that first of all, it's always changing, always. I think, you know, it's a little bit like um, parenting. If, you've ha if you have small children and like the big thing is you wanna get your kid to sleep. And I have always found like, as soon as I think I knew something about getting my kid to sleep, that karmic banana peel would be right there for me to slip on and I would just fall flat on my face. Like, especially if you were a new parent and I'm gonna give you advice, okay? Like I'm gonna be like, oh, oh, oh no, here's the solution to getting your kid to sleep. Like it was as if God was looking down at me and laughing so hard 
of like, you think you know something? And I feel the same way about building businesses online. I feel like, you know, because we're like an OG, like a regu- original gangster in this whole space. And watch, we're, we were doing this before Facebook. And to watch the evolution of this, it's humbling. That's the thing I would say. The word that I would use, building businesses online is so humbling. And you have to be willing to weirdly fall on your face. Um, And you have to be willing to have those sleepless nights going, it's not working. And then to step back. And so, you know, I'm joking like, oh my God, I'm attracting the wrong audiences. But like those were serious, like existential crises. And so to have to, now it sounds like, oh yeah, and then I figured it out. And then I just pivoted a little bit to the left and I solved it. Like it's not that, I wish it were that easy. Um, But I think that there are certain things like staying nimble, being willing to change. You know, Pinterest will change and go, we want like original content now. Like you have to, you have new content. You have to add all these pins and everybody's groaning going, wait, I used to just be able to repin my pins. What are you saying? Now I've got to keep making pins. And instead of being one of those people who is lamenting the past, I really try to embrace the future and I try to see it as an opportunity. For example, if I'm the one who's making new pins, I can bet most people are not. So I'm going to succeed. And so to kind of reframe things as opportunities, I think has been helpful. But don't, don't think I don't have sleepless nights, you know, or that I'm not crying or lamenting the past. It's just how quickly can I pick myself up and go, okay, well, that's not working. So let's go this way. And I'm a big believer in testing and testing cheaply. Meaning don't spend a year putting together your course when you don't know if anybody's going to want it. You know, and then you end up going, God, that was a huge waste of time talk to your audience and, and put out little tests to see would people be interested in this. Maybe put out a mini course and see if people sign up for it. So that, and I'm also a big believer in something I call B minus work, which is you, if you are a perfectionist, like the internet will break you. You yeah. must, like, you must be able to put stuff out that you're a little embarrassed by. Yeah, I mean, we're in year six and nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect, no. You have to embrace that. It's messy. And like, if you look, like I was telling you about my like podcast setup and I'm like, it's janky. Like I have this connecting to this. Like I put it together with like chewing gum and paper clips, but it kind of works. And as soon as it stops working or, you know, I'll move to whatever my next solution is. And that's why I was asking you, like, what do you use? Um, But the truth is that you, like a lot of stuff is really messy. And if you like, if you're a person who likes to dot your I's and cross your T's, like this is not the business for you. I always tell people that perfection's not profitable. Ooh, I, I am going to write that down. You are not that is online space because by the time you perfect it, that's outdated. Totally. Like, and and again, as I am a testament, you need to be co-creating with your with your audience. Like if you, let's say, you know, you make wreaths and they're all in orange because you're like, well, it's fall and it's Halloween and it's Thanksgiving and people don't buy them because they want purple wreaths. Like the only way you're going to know that is you put out a couple orange wreaths and people go, could you do that in purple? And then you go, oh, wow, this is a weird fall season. Okay. 
I'll do that. And so it's by listening, by putting something out there so people can respond. Because maybe they don't know they want purple wreaths, but when they see orange ones, they go, you know, that might look better in purple. And then you hear that and then you go, oh, I'll make some purple wreaths. But you're not going to go make a hundred. And I think that you've got to assume you're going to put out that kind of rough work so that you can get feedback. Like feedback is what you're looking for. Absolutely. I've launched 13 courses now and none of them have ever been written before they're paid for. Ooh, explain. So I only do an outline mm -hmm. and then I launch an outline and a sales page. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny. So we did our first a coaching course back in like the end of two uh, 2019 and I did the same thing and like I taught it with David and he thought I was crazy but I said I know what I want to teach the first week and then I'm going to trust that by hearing what I mean I too put an outline together like these are the top okay here I said these are the things I want to hit but I did not know the order and I didn't know the emphasis and then each week I would go I know what I'm doing next week just based on listening and hearing what they were, where their questions were, like, oh, they seem to know a little bit about this, but they do not know about this. And so now over time, now we've done a bunch of these, I've been able to really hone in on, oh, this is why in week three, we're talking about X, you know, we're doing a deep dive into Pinterest or whatever it is. So I I'm with you on that. And it's scary the first time, because you're like, they're gonna find out that I don't really know what next week is. Yes, that's exactly what happens too. Because they're always like, can you give us a schedule? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no schedule. Because I think you, you're right though. I mean, you listen to your audience and you can hear if they need more of this topic or less of that topic. And it makes a huge difference in their success. Absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, for us, like, and I don't know about you, but like we show up live so that we can, because each group I think is fascinating. They all have different tenors. They have different things that are like themes within the group. Uh, like the group that we're coaching right now, the theme is, I feel like an imposter. It's all, and so I, I hadn't done this before, but in the first week, I could just feel it, that they were all like, I'd be like, well, what are you an expert in? And they'd kind of want to go, everybody was like, I'm not an expert in anything. So what I did in the, like, I give homework. And I quickly adjusted the first homework to say, what are your limiting beliefs? And I've never done that before. But this group, we, and so what I did was I have them handed in to me and I put together a document where I just, with, like without their names, what their limiting beliefs were. And I read it. And first of all, they were virtually all the same. And I think it was so beneficial for this group to hear that everybody is feeling the exact same way. Now, I think I will probably take that with me and teach it in the next group, but it was like that came out of this group of women who somehow were all experiencing this same thing. And I feel like for us, those are the things I can pick up by like showing up with these specific so question for you, if you know, with everything that you know now, yeah. if you could go back to the beginning, what is one thing that you would change in your business? Um, I would say it is along these lines, when something doesn't work, to pull up quicker. 
there are times, again, because, you know, remember I said you have a hypothesis and you think it should work. And I think too many times in the beginning, I'm going, no, 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 this should work. And it didn't work. And I think I've learned now, if it doesn't work at the beginning, chances are, yes, I could tweak it and maybe I could get like a 2% increase. But from what I have found, the things that are going to work are going to work. And, and not that I can't, again, improve them or strengthen them or grow them. But when I have thought something would work and it actively didn't work, I can work really hard at trying to improve it and I can't do it. And it is much better to pull up. And I, I think of that when it comes to hiring as well. If you hire somebody and in the beginning you have a weird feeling like, mm, she's not really getting what I'm saying, or he's not really doing it the way that I want I want it to be done, but I'm going to, like a bad relationship, you know, like I can change him. Yeah. Mm -mm. So I have learned that with people, so this is what I do when I, let's say I hire somebody to help me with Instagram or to do some scheduling for me or whatever. I usually hire out those kinds of very specific tasks. I now say to this person, I hire for a very specific task. Like this is not like, hey, you're going to be my assistant. You're just going to kind of learn. No, it's like, hey, you're going to put this link in this box <laughs> and send that to me in an email. You know, it's that kind of thing. And then what I say to them now is, I'm going to hire you for two weeks. And in two weeks, for this specific task, and I'm going to make it really clear. I'm going to videotape what I want you to do. Like you're going to see me take the link, put it in the box and send the email, right? And I'm going to tell you that I'm open for any questions that you have. Please reach out to me. Like I am available. And then I say at two weeks, we're going to, we're going to meet again. Like, you know, cause we'll like, let's say get on a call or do something in the beginning. And then I say, we're going to do this in two weeks and we're both going to see whether we think this is a good fit. And if it is great, we'll keep going. And if it isn't like, no, no, no problem. You know, we'll just kind of part ways. And I've learned that the hard way. So when something doesn't fit at the beginning, like it's, too, we're too busy and we need to be moving quickly. And so to spend time working on the relationship, it, it ultimately at the end of the day, I'm going to let this person go anyway. It might just be six months of pain down the road. And th so I would say that is one thing. I wish I didn't have as much belief in my own ideas that like, I know it will work. It's somehow I need to just continue to tweak it. And it's like, no, even, you know, even though I think I know my business, I don't necessarily know it like I, like I think I do. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, I have a rule, hire fast and fire quicker. I love that. Oh my God, you're like, <laughs> I'm writing down all your, all your quotes. We don't have time for all that mess. Just <laughs> in and out. I, I get it. But again, like you learn that over time. And again, I think as women, we want to make it work. You know, like I think I'm a nice person and you're probably nice. Like, you know, somebody I hired, they're a nice person. We should be able to make it work. And instead, by having that two-week window, it's a little bit like there's an escape valve. Without it being like, hey, we have to have that really awkward conversation. It's like, you know what? It's not quite working for me. I want to go in a different direction. So thank you. And then done. So I, I totally, that is something I think if I could have learned that earlier, it would have saved a lot of heartache. 
I think for us, you know, our businesses are always so personal that mm-hmm. every time I try to hire someone, I want that person to be a good fit long-term. Mm-hmm. Like, where can you be in this company in two, three years compared to where I hired you at? And mm-hmm. if you're not that person, then don't waste our time. Right. And what I find is I bring people on with very specific small tasks. And then if they're good, I've got more tasks for you. That's how I'm able to kind of go, do you want more work? Because I've got more work for you and I trust you. And I know that you're good at, say, following directions or being a team player, rolling with the flow, whatever, you know, going with the flow. And so therefore, that's how I found my best people is by expanding their their job over time. But starting very small, very concrete. That's the other thing too. I think having concrete tasks is really beneficial, even for yourself as a blogger. Like I go live with my podcast on Wednesday and there's no negotiation. Now there is a lot of stuff in my business that is in flux and that doesn't show up necessarily on time or when I hope it does. However, there are things in my business that happen. And hell or high water, if I have to stay up super late on Tuesday night, I'm getting that podcast up. And it might not be, again, it might be B minus work. Like it might be a little rough, but I'm okay with that. Like there, I might not have edited out, I don't know, that weird crash of, you know, my coffee, like me going, ah, or whatever it is, you know, or my daughter walking in. I try to, but if I need, if I have to have her still interrupt and go live with the podcast, I'm going live with the podcast. Absolutely. So normally I ask the guests if they have a myth they would like to debunk, but because you're such a blogger, I have one that I want you to debunk for me. Go ahead. So um, a lot of people out there think that blogging is not profitable. Okay. Can you help uh, change their mind a little bit on that? Yes. I'm going to put a word in front of that. Intentional blogging is profitable. And there are a variety of ways to be intentional with blogging. If I'm a blogger who just wants to kind of uh, talk about my life and my recipes, my parenting tips, and my travel, and I love Disney, and um, and I've got like some DIYs, and I'm just going to share that. That is a that that's a hobby blogger, and that's hard to make serious money with because the way you would monetize that is via ads and maybe affiliate links. And you will make, if you can generate traffic, you can make some money with ads, not a ton. And you can make some money with affiliate links, but not a ton. So could you be making some, you know, some money for Target, you know, to do your monthly Target shopping? Absolutely. But if you really are wanting to quit your job and blog, then you've got to be much more intentional about everything you do. And you need to niche down. Lifestyle isn't, I'm gonna say it, lifestyle's not a niche. Um, You need to become an expert at something, which doesn't mean you need to get a PhD. What it does mean is you need to know what it is you're talking about, even as like an advanced, I would say like you could be an advanced beginner and, and create a really successful blog. You need to be like a step or two 
ahead of your audience. And a lot of times that's beneficial because let's say you're a super expert, you don't really remember what it was like to really start at the beginning. Uh, like I was, I was um, so because we do this coaching group and I have people, you know, do homework and send me their blog posts. I was re uh, one of the women in my group does, she does, um, she's like an architect, right? She helps people with like their kitchens and she sent me a blog post and I'm like, you don't know how much you know and you're writing for an audience that you think already knows this. And I need you, like she was using some terminology that she assumes everybody knows. And I'm like, no, 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 you have to pretend I'm five and lead me by the hand through this, explaining everything. Because I don't know the first thing about kitchen re, you know, remodels. So it was like, she almost was, I was like, dumb yourself down. So you can talk to, not that she was speaking in like a lofty way. She just was using terms and knowledge that I didn't know. I didn't know what it meant. Anyway, my point is you can be an expert as an advanced beginner. And you might, as I said, be a better resource because you understand the, the pain points, but that's it. You have to identify those pain points for people and then you have to have solutions for your audience. So that, and then you have to get to know them like intimately and really empathize with them and find solutions that you can monetize. That is the, so that's the way you build a successful blog where you can quit your job and go do this. Yeah. So our blog is monetized. We do make money from it, but everyone's always like, well, that's just because you have a large following. So I, I wanted to get someone else's opinion in there to help understand that it's not just that, like you can be intentional and you can be profitable with a blog. But I would say this, you do want to be selling a solution. Yeah. You know, again, at, like you could be, your, you could be selling a solution to brands like you do sponsored work because that's usually more lucrative than ads and affiliates. But that's a whole, but again, you gotta be intentional. You gotta be courting brands. You've gotta be active on Instagram. You have to be building those relationships. So again, back to that thing of like, if you're just a blogger who wants to just have a blog so that your mom can read what you're up to and see photos of your kids, that's not a business. A lot of people have to, turn off their hobby switch and turn on their business switch if they want a business. And I think that a lot of people get um, grumpy about that. Like it's my blog, I should be able to blog what I want. And I say, you do that, go blog whatever you want, but don't expect that dollars are, that like, um, like a man with a suitcase full of money is gonna show up at your house. You have to work for that. So are you surprised at how online businesses are actually able to thrive in today's economy? You mean in, during this pandemic? During the pandemic? I feel like, so for example, Catch My Party, our traffic took a huge hit because who's planning parties? Um, and then we were able to pivot by creating content like, hey, how do you throw a virtual party? Or how do you throw a party with social distance? And that has really, again, so leaning into the pandemic, but our traffic is still, I was looking today, down 20% from where we were last year. Usually we're growing. Uh, so that, but by the way, it was down like 60% in March. So I go, well, you know, that's a positive. Um, so I feel like certain businesses are doing phenomenally well. Like if you're a food blogger, because guess what, people are home 
and they want to make food and they need your recipes. If you're, let's say, a design blogger or DIY blogger because people are home and they want to find activities. If you're like a kids activity blogger with a lot of things you could do in your house, I think you're killing it. But if you're a travel blogger, I feel like I don't know when that's going to come back. And I'm not sure. I've seen some solutions of people doing virtual tours or um, creating posts about how to be safe traveling during this time. So I feel like it's it's both, you know, depending. Uh, and is there a way if you're in a... I have two pieces of advice. One, you're in that space that's doing well. How do you accelerate that? So you're a food blogger and you're you're getting a lot of traffic on Pinterest. Well, what kinds of recipes do people want today? Like maybe people just, you know, want to drink. And so you need to make more cocktail recipes. Maybe you need more kid-friendly recipes. Like maybe you need more leftover recipes. But I wouldn't I would be thinking about how to dig in and then same advice though for people who are struggling like us with catch my party how do we see what's going on i can't tell you how many party people now i've said are you are you digging into the pandemic and they're like no somebody i was talking to creates um invitations and she said oh yeah our business is taking a hit and i said are you doing invitations for drive-by parties or virtual parties or um, social distance, you know, like themed. So like I was seeing on Etsy, there was a super cute invitation and it was called a masquerade party. Okay. I had pictures of masks and I thought that's brilliant because one, I'm going to send this invitation. It's super cute, but also it's going to kind of let you know that we are taking, you know, precautions and we are taking safety very seriously. So just even seeing that, I was like, that was brilliant. Versus saying, hey, we just come to our barbecue. I'd be like, I don't know. Um, so that's where you got to figure out how to lean into this time. And have you seen that? So for us, because we're in the crafting niche, ours actually did better. Mm -hmm. um, but we are hearing other people who have um, the same party niche, the gift cards, all those things that they're not doing quite as well right now. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know when it will come back. Like another, <laughs> like I'm glad I don't sell pants, uncomfortable pants that look good because nobody wants to wear pants right now and nobody wants to wear pants that look good but are uncomfortable because nobody's seeing your pants. So I go, okay, if I were doing that, how could I sell cute tops? Because people are looking, you know, they can see my top. So it's that. I wonder how like um, Spanx and shoe sales have, I wonder what their what their graph looks like for the Totally, year. but I do know Lululemon's doing better. Like they're, okay. they're killing it right now. Okay. And I do know that like athleisure stuff is selling out. Yeah. And I do know, I don't know if it's still happening, but like, um, back maybe in April or May, like you could not buy dumbbells on Amazon because everybody had bought them. You know, those kinds of things where you're like, wow, I, or, or kettlebells, you know, kettlebells, like gone. I don't know if they're back in stock. So um, you help people make blogs. Mm -hmm. It's a done for you service. Mm -hmm. You help hand that off to people. Mm -hmm. So you help them learn about how to use the blog. Mm -hmm. You help people learn how to drive traffic to the blog. 
and you have a pop-up app that can be installed on the blog to help them drive traffic to other resources. Yes. That's awesome. And then we also have a whole other business and site that really is like our, we get to like learn with Catch My Party and then bring that over to MyLitry. And it's weird because they are very separate businesses and they monetize in very different ways. So we kind of get to see it all. So in the show notes, we'll have a whole bunch of links for people to click to all those things to find you. Oh, but great. if they wanted to find out more information about you and your products, where can they go online? Uh, definitely go to MyLitry.com. Oh, and email me. Like, here's the thing. I am super, I, I answer all my emails and I'm really easy to get in touch with. I'm at Jillian at MiloTree.com. And if you forget that, I'm at Jillian at CatchMyParty.com. And they both go to the same inbox. And I really love hearing from you. You know, I think that, I think that this is weird. Um, but during the pandemic, like, it's really nice to see you because, you know, we, we're, we're, video, we're seeing each other um, on Zoom. It's really nice to connect because I feel like we're also starved of connection. And what's nice is I'm not showing up for you with a mask on and trying to stay away from you. Like I can just, it's almost like we're sitting here just having coffee or something. So I'm really, I feel this need to be connecting to people. It's like why I said to David, my husband, we had just finished one of our coaching groups and I said to him, I want to do another coaching group. And he was, it was kind of like, I want to have another baby. And he was like, no, you know, we had just finished it. We put a lot into it. And I said, no, I want to show up for people. And I want to have a reason to show up and to be helpful and to see people on Zoom and have them be a community because that's what I'm starved for right now. So anyway, this is a long way of saying, please reach out to me. It's not just for you. It's for me too. I'd love to hear from you. And then they can also follow your podcast, right? Please follow my podcast. And Damon, you're going to be on next week, and I'm going to email you with all this good information. So yeah, so my podcast is the Blogger Genius Podcast. And what I really try to do in the podcast is not just um, say a lot of platitudes, like, you go, you got this. I really try to give real takeaways and that you will leave like hopefully taking notes of like oh I could incorporate that in my business and what's cool about doing it I don't know if you feel this way I get to call people like you Damon and go come on my podcast and not only will my audience learn from you but I get to learn from you too and it's really cool sitting where we sit getting to bring people on and hearing their perspectives and learning their what's working and what's not working. You know, like I like that you are asking me like what isn't working because I find that I learn as much from that as I do, or, or um, I hear things over and over again, like pull up if it's not working. Like that advice I, I, I gave, other people have said that's exactly something that I learned too. So I take note of that and go, oh, okay, that seems like a more universal truth. I completely agree with that. I mean, we like actionable items. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons I think we connected the first time was because we both had those types of mentalities. And that we're honest. Like I'm willing to tell you, I'm willing to show, I'm not, oh, this is the thing too. 
um, on my podcast, somebody will say something like, well, you know, and that didn't work. And then they'll move on. And I go, wait, 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 <laughs> what do you mean that didn't work? What didn't work about it? Like, I'm, I want to dig in and, and learn, you know, hear those truths. And I feel like you and I both are, are willing to share like this worked, but this didn't work or maybe think about it this way. Um, and that I think there's something I think very authentic about that. Very real. Cause, yeah. cause again, growing business, it's messy. And, and we're and we're making it up. You know, I love that you were saying the same thing. Like we're making it up. Like it looks like I, I might look, it might look one way, but the truth is, like it's a little bit like food bloggers. You know, like what's in the shot looks beautiful, and then if you look three inches to the left and three inches to the right, it's just a mess. It's kind of like our business. I don't know about you, but I'm going to say it's like my business is like that. And I think that is one of the reasons that we've been so successful is because we don't hide any of that. You know, we show our audience like we'll go on the whiteboard and i'm like this is what i did and this is how bad it went wrong yes right it's not perfect yes and if i can help you not make the same mistake i made or if i can help you work through your limiting belief while sharing my limiting belief i think there you know i just recorded a podcast episode um, where i did a guided meditation on perfection and what I say is, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm not there yet. I'm in recovery. And I did it for hopefully my audience. So because, I, again, it came from the theme of um, my, my, our current group of like their limiting beliefs, their perfectionists, they, they're, they kind of can't put stuff out that's a little rough. And so I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to record this and just see how my audience responds. And also I did it for me. Because somehow if I can hear my own voice saying, like, let go of the, perf you know, that, that, that I can move beyond that and I can try stuff and, and imagine myself doing things where I'm not worried about being perfect, how beneficial that could be. And again, that's like an experiment. I don't know how it, you know, people seem to like it, but it's like, well, I'm going to try that and I'm going to put out the fact that I'm, I'm not, it's not like I'm the perfection God and that I've solved this. I'm just working on it daily. I think if you ever solve it, it's probably time to hang up the hat. I think I've made it to Nirvana and I've disappeared. <laughs> right. All right. So as always, I have one last question for you. Uh, so can you tell me what being a maker means to you? I don't think there's a better path. I don't. I think that we are put on this earth to make, to create, to build, to explore. And I think that making taps into all of those things. Do I think this path is easy? I don't, because you have to face yourself a lot. Uh, but do I think it's really inherently satisfying? I do. Right, any last words? Know that we are all in the muck together, you know? And that like, um, if, it looks, if it looks effortless for somebody else, trust me, it's not. It's definitely not effortless. A lot of work it's a lot, a lot of work sleep <laughs> yes but it's satisfying and it is um and it will challenge you and it will hold up a mirror to you and show you all the great things about you and all the things that could use a little work and if you're willing to go on that ride i think there's nothing better Absolutely. well thanks so much for being here oh thank you for having me all right